sang about it, but do you always realize that even in your own life? That God's working in you. He's working through you. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that. Now, I know I tend to talk slow. At least people tell me that. I hear a recording of myself and I think, who's that? Oh, that's me. Um... I wonder, where's that high squeaky voice come from? Um, that's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. God created me this way. But today, I really need you guys to, to, to listen quickly because it's a short passage. But man, there's a lot there. And there's a passage that creates a huge number of questions, at least for me. So let's look at Acts chapter 18, beginning at verse 18. And we'll read through verse 22. Acts chapter 18, verse 18 through 22. And depending on your Bible and the translation, 22 may be the first half of a paragraph. Uh, the different translations will break those paragraphs differently. <laughs> I may be pulling you into a middle of a paragraph or ending you in one. I'm sorry about that. I'm using the ESV this morning, and it, it breaks it in the paragraph right there. For some reason, I'm not sure why 23 is part of the paragraph there. But let us read this passage together. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At <clears throat> oh, I practiced this one too. Kekria, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and le he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea, he came up, greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. Lord Jesus, as we look at this passage of scripture together, and we see Paul traveling we see people asking him to stay and share the gospel, and he said no, and he moved on. Lord, please speak to our hearts. Help us to understand this passage of Scripture. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Paul had stayed in Corinth for about one and a half years. Now, if you notice that it says in verse 11, he stayed there a year and six months and he was teaching the word of God. Then again, in verse 18, which uh, we see where at the beginning of this passage, after this, Paul stayed many days longer. We don't know for sure if that year and a half is the many days longer or year and a half plus many days longer. We, we don't know the exact time frame. I don't think that's really important, but as you're adding things up, up, you see that Paul was there and it was a significant amount of time for Paul. This was a long time for Paul to stay in one place. Remember many places he faced persecution and had to leave and actually left behind a church after a week or two. 
Some of the places he was in less than a month and for him to be in one place and to preach the gospel and to teach the gospel for a year and a half was a long time for Paul. But he begins to move on to the next place that really is the life of the missionary. The missionary is one who is sent on a mission. And the English word missionary comes from the Latin missionarius, um, which is from the Latin missio, is actually a military term. It was a military mission that, that first used these words and it was a Catholic church in the, the uh, Latin liturgy began to use the word missionary. The word apostle has a very similar meaning. The English word apostle comes from the Greek. Uh, the word apostolos meaning messenger and apostelion meaning to send forth. A missionary is one that has been sent out by the church to a new place to proclaim the gospel. And that is the life of Paul. That's what he did. He went place to place proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And last week, Pastor John talked to us about how the, that, that wasn't a single man's job, how there were, were people working beside Paul. And we see where, where the, uh, um, Paul was going on from one place to the next place to share the message. We can see, and, and sometimes people want to say every believer is to be a missionary. And I would disagree with that terminology. And I may be splitting hairs here. While it is true, every disciple is to be a disciple maker. Not every disciple was named as an apostle. We can see this in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In, those day, in these days, he, meaning Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and all night... He prayed all night, continued to pray to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named as apostles. Then what does he do? He sends them out. He sends them on a message. They send him on a mission. Now, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. In fact, he actually had a great crowd of disciples. Luke chapter 6 verse 17 and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Out of his disciples, he chose 12 that he named as apostles. In fact, when you come into, when we started in the book of Acts, remember they chose another apostle to replace Judas and they said it had to be one of Jesus' disciples that had been with them from the very beginning. So we know, I mean, Scripture is very clear that Jesus had many disciples, but 12 of these he had named as apostles that he sent them out. Later, we see Jesus send out 72. Now, I want to make a quick note here and a distinction <laughs> As I'm making a distinction between being a disciple of Jesus Christ and being a missionary in that sense of one being sent by the church, all disciples are meant to be disciple makers. And I'm going to hit hard. This is a painful and a hard-hitting part of this message right now. Listen to this. All disciples 
No matter what your profession, all disciples are to be disciple makers. Not all disciples are called to be missionaries that are going to go to another place, that they're going to be sent out by the church to proclaim the gospel as career or even as short term. We want to encourage people going out on mission trips. And yes, we're sending you out as a missionary in that sense, that we're sending you with the message. But not all disciples are going to be career missionaries sent to another place. But all disciples are to make disciples. That's coming right back to the Great Commission when Jesus took his 12 apostles, or at that time, excuse me, 11 apostles, because Judas had not been replaced. And he said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the one command. That is the one command in that statement. Go make disciples of all the peoples, teaching them to obey all that I command you. What did he just command? To make disciples of all the peoples. Who was it that Jesus said my true disciple is? Everybody would say, oh, those are the ones that love the brethren. You're right. He did say that. But he said, you're my disciples if you do what I command you. Every disciple, every disciple has been commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to be a disciple maker. Now I said that one hits hard because how many of us are truly disciple makers? That's the painful part. Are we making disciples? And so Paul, he was a disciple maker. He was a trainer. He was a leader developer. He made disciples and he taught them to be church leaders. And he taught them how to serve God. And he walked with them. You know how he was able to make leaders like that? Because he made disciples. <laughs> Real discipleship is going to bring people into that relationship and into the role that God has called them to be. And so he was able to move on. And look who moves on with him. He's got Priscilla and Aquila. When did they become believers? We really don't know when Priscilla and Aquila became believers. What we see in verse 2, they are called Jews. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded that all the Jews leave Rome. He said, they're Jews. In verse 2, they're Jews and Paul's working with them as a tent maker and a business relationship from uh, that first view. And then in verse 18, here they are a year and a half later, traveling companions. They're going out with Paul on the mission. They're going out with Paul traveling for the gospel. And they leave Corinth and they go to Ephesus. And what does Paul do in Ephesus? Bye guys, you stay here. I'm moving on. He left Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. He left them there to work. 
In this time that he had worked with them, they were so, so equipped that he left the work to them in that place. And he moved on. And he went to the synagogue. I'm not sure why he did not take, uh, Scripture doesn't say why he didn't take uh, Priscilla and Aquila with him to the synagogue. But he goes to the synagogue alone. And, you know, it, that was his people. He would always try to build a bridge with, with the Jews and with the, the uh, uh, believers there, the God-fearing people that went into the synagogue. And so for him, it was a natural place. But he also loved to debate the scriptures. And he would try to persuade them from the scriptures. Ephesus was not a Jewish city. And so maybe he sent Priscilla and Aquila, you work with those people. They're not Jewish background. Let me go talk to the Jews. Maybe that's what he's thinking. All I know is that scripture is very clear. He left Priscilla and Aquila in the city. He goes to the synagogue and he's talking to them and they want to hear more. They're ready. They want to hear the gospel. They, wow, we, we want to hear more about this. Will you please stay and teach us? And Paul says, no. Will you stay? And he said, no. They asked him to stay for a longer period and he declined. See, there's one of those things where Paul you see in the life of Paul, he stayed and he had to stay on direction. God had given him a direction to move. We are not sure. You know, scripture doesn't say, oh, Paul was told by God that he needed to go to Caesarea and he needed to go here. No, But we know that when Paul set out, guided by God, he never turned away unless God clearly spoke to him. And he could have stayed and it wouldn't have been a good thing to stay there and, and, and share the gospel with those people. In my opinion, and this is where I'm throwing the opinion thing in, Paul did not want to get distracted by doing good. In our years of missionary service, my wife and I have been on the field now for 24 years officially missionaries since the year 2000, well, 1999, excuse me. We've lived in Hungary for 20 years. And you want to know one of the biggest things I've seen missionaries fail at? It's doing good things. Failing to stay on direction. Getting distracted by doing good. I've seen Satan tempt Christians and missionaries and mission, whole mission organizations out of direction by doing good. See, obedience, obedience means we stay. And I will tell you one other thing. We don't want to be distracted by doing good. There is actually a term for that. It's called mission drift. That's not, that, that's a business term, by the way, businesses. 
They get lost doing good things and they're no longer doing what they established themselves to do. Well, missionaries did the same thing. And this is one of the most painful parts of being a missionary. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to leave family behind. (laughs) I sometimes get tearful when I talk about my grandkids. Sometimes it's really difficult when you're here and your family's suffering. But you know what's more painful? It's when you sit down and you've got a map in front of you and you have to pick who not to go tell. When you have to say, I'll go here. Pastor John made a a statement last week that when you decide that and and you pick that people you go to, to, to tell, that means you're excluding the others. And yeah, it's hard and it's painful and it hurts because we want to go into every city and we want to tell everybody. And it's a painful part of walking the Christian life because sometimes you see that there's something good that you want to do and you have to say no. And that's what happened with Paul. One of the things as being anything, and it doesn't matter if you're a missionary or you're called to be a plumber or if you're called to be a musician, whatever God is telling you you need to do in life, you need to know your calling. And Jesus, Jesus is our prime example. Jesus is the prime example. You know that old Sunday school answer, you know, Jesus is the answer for everything? Yeah, I mean, you want to know how to develop leaders? Read Jesus. If you want to know about maintaining truth, being true to your calling, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was in Tyre and Sidon, and he's in this area, this pagan area that wasn't Christian or, or wasn't Jewish. And, and this lady comes up and says, Jesus, my daughter, she's got this demon that's controlling her. Won't you help? And do you know what he tells her? Matthew 15, 24. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus could have traveled a lot more places, but he stayed focused on what he was doing. Now, the rest of the story is that Jesus ended up helping her. He actually did because she's saying, please. And he said, no, it's not good to take the, the, the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He used the term for a little dog, a pet dog. And she says, well, even the pets get to eat under the table. And it's like, wow, this is great faith. Your faith is done. Jesus never even, it never even says he turned around. He just kept going. Boop. It, she was healed. But another time when Jesus is in the garden and he is praying, this is the very night that he was betrayed. It's after the Last Supper and he's praying and he's able to say to the Lord, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, when you come and you stand before God Almighty, do you want to be able to say these words? I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. 
I know I do. Those are words that I want to be able to tell God, I did what you told me to do. So you must know your calling. But there also has to be a direction. You need to know the direction that you're, you're called. Calling's more the big picture. The direction is what do you need to be doing right now? What's the path you need to be on right now in this point in time? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, when Jesus sent the 12 out, he instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles. Enter no town of the Samaritans. He said, this is the direction. You're going to go out and you're going to go to Jewish towns. You're going to stay with Jewish families. Now, what happened at the Great Commission? What happened in Acts chapter, chapter 1, verse 8, that, that you're going to be my witnesses? Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. There was a timing that he had to say, this is your direction for now. God has a purpose and timing to things. He was sending them to Samaria, 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 later, <laughs> to the Samaritans, later. You know, Philip was one of them that went there, later. It was about staying and what do you need to be doing right now? This is your focus for now. When Paul was called by God, and in his own defense, and he's telling people what he's doing, he tells how God was going to deliver him. In Acts 26, verse 17, God's telling him that he's going to be delivering him, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. That was his calling. He knew the calling that he needed to be moving toward. That was it. But we see in Acts where he had a direction. He was headed back into a direction going back to Antioch and he stayed in that direction. We can see this in, in, with Peter, James, John, Paul, and Barnabas. Paul writes in the book of Galatians, for he, meaning God, he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles when James and Cephas and John who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given to me they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised they knew their calling they knew who God had sent them to and then we see the direction in this passage that Paul needed to keep going for some reason. He didn't just say, I don't care about you. He said, I will return to you if God wills. And then he set sail and he went on. Then he landed in Caesarea, he went up, he greeted the church, and he went on to Antioch. 
that was the home church. He's reporting back to the ones who had sent him out. This is the conclusion of that second big trip. He's going back and he's reporting back to the church that sent him, telling them what had been done. So in life, you need to know your calling, but you also need to know your direction. You need to know both calling and direction. What is God calling you to do? What direction does he want you to go right now? I might maybe just throw this in. The direction has a whole lot to do with how do you accomplish your calling right now with your situation in life. You must know your calling and direction, but obedience requires maintaining both your calling and your direction. Now I want to throw in a word here, personal testimony and a sad one for me. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I had a call with a friend of mine, well, a friend of ours, excuse me. <laughs> I guess she actually knew him before I did, but of course I had become very close friends with him. We were studying to go into the ministry together at university. There were four guys. We were sharing an apartment. I was talking to the friend. And he's telling me about his struggles in life. He said, I don't know if I ever told you this. He said, but I'm an alcoholic. He said, I go through whiskey like it's water. It's cost him three marriages. This last time, it's cost him his marriage and his career or his, what he was doing. And so I asked him, when are you going to start preaching again? When are you getting back into the ministry? Somehow. Because see, God had called him into the ministry but he got so distracted that he ended up wandering very, very far from God. He got distracted by living day by day, paying the bills, and he wandered away. Working and paying your bills is a good thing, but that wasn't his calling. And to that phone call, I was so thankful because there was a time in our life where Carolyn and I were doing the same thing. We had lost sight of the calling of God and we were working and we were paying the bills, but we forgot about the calling to missions and we had missed it. And it came to the point where it's like, we gotta go no matter what, we're going. Do you know what it's like when you buy, when you sell your house and buy plane tickets to move overseas? 
We do. When you guys share about selling your house and moving to Hungary, we were late because we did the same thing. When there's times, because God can take that time and redeem it back. Our friend lost the calling. He lost direction in life. And you need to be true to both. And on the direction, you keep that direction till God tells you to go do something else. And there's been a lot of times, you know, our, our calling is being the missionary. Uh, it's a mission of calling. The direction was serving in Hungary. And even when we had the opportunity to retire early, our, our mission board was going to pay us actually a lot of money to retire early. Said, we don't feel God calling us another way. We just, God's not said change direction. So we came back. Paul was set out and he's doing what he believes God wants him to do. He has taken Priscilla and Aquila to Ephesus and they're going to start a work there. This is something new that's happening and he's traveling on and they say, please stay. We, we want to hear more about this. But Paul had to say no to maintain direction. Now, as time has run out, I told you I needed you to listen really, really quickly today. It comes to the call of action. If you notice, I always put in the call of action in addition to the invitation. This is, this is it. I'm, I'm asking you to, to take action at this point. Do you know your calling? What is your calling? What does God want you to do in life? I'm talking the big picture. And in that, what direction is God leading you right now in this moment in time? your calling and then your direction. When we were called to the mission field, there was a direction where God had to send us to school. He had to send us to training. So do you know your calling in life and do you know your direction right now? But you know, there's another far more important question than this. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you following him? Oh, we just sang about it. I will follow. Is that true? Did you sing that in truth? Are you truly going to follow him? And if you are following him, are you making disciples? Are you affecting people in their lives to walk closer with Jesus Christ? You need both calling and direction. The most important calling 
is that calling to follow Jesus Christ and to make disciples of all peoples. So now as our our praise team comes, we're going to go into the time of invitation. The invitation is simply we, we invite you to respond to what God is saying to you.